Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. Hello, hi, how are you doing? It's me, it's Nick, your host, Nick's Nerd News. Can you believe it's the 4th of July this weekend? That's wild. Time is a wild and crazy thing. I know I wax poetic about time and it's the speed at which it moves, it seems like, every episode. But, you know, it's something I notice. I'm sure we all notice, is it not? Such is life, yes? Well, again, it is Nixter News. Today is June 28th. How are you guys doing? Have you guys been following that uh, Xbox FTC case? That shit is wild. (laughs) That is definitely going to be one of our top stories this week. As is not a whole lot. I mean, that's really the defining thing in what's going on in the world right now. Um, Another crazy story, though. The Flash took a massive massive drop in box office returns in its second weekend. What? Let's see what happens in its third weekend. Now uh, it's going to have to compete against Indiana Jones, which, again, we don't know what's going to happen with that. But those are really the two biggest stories, if anything. Obviously, we will talk about that today on the episode. But just some normal housekeeping. Uh, why don't you guys follow us on social media? We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, I'm on TikTok, there's fun stuff we I post about about the podcast on all those platforms, Nick's Nerd News, uh, search for us on the big three, then also look for uh, the Nick DeFalco, that's my personal TikTok, if you guys want to get updates, I mean I, I cross post, that a share of the post, cross post, I don't know what you, the correct phraseology, terminology would be in that regard, but Don't worry, if you're not on all of them, you'll find it. Also, check out the website, nicksternews.com. You guys can listen to the show in the browser, which is pretty cool, if you ask me. Also, though, if you poke around, you'll find links to our Spotify, our Apple Podcast page, our Google Podcast page. We're also on iHeartRadio. We're on Amazon Music. We're We're on the big ones if you will, like realistically, we're on all of them, right? If you just search Nixner News, I'm sure you can find the podcast somewhere. We're out there. You can listen in. You can have fun. However you guys want to do it, right? That's that's the gist of it. Poke, prod, like, subscribe, share, downvote, upvote, post, wherever your heart desires. That is where I want you guys to listen to the podcast or don't listen it's totally up to you i'm just a humble dude making my way in the universe right so i don't want to waste any time on on housekeeping if you will why don't we just get right into the news let's talk about what's hitting the video game world right now shall we so the old republic which has been developed by bioware uh for the last long while. I think it's been 10 years. It's over 10 years, I think, at this point. Well, Bioware is shifting control of the Old Republic, the Star Wars MMO that they've been working on, will move over to the developer Broadsword. Uh, Unfortunately, layoffs are coming with that move, but they are moving ongoing development to Broadsword online games, and uh, so SWOTOR, Star Wars The Old Republic, and uh, they currently make, Broadsword makes Ultima Online and Dark Age of Camelot. So people that used to work at Mythic and uh, Bioware VP Rob Denton actually works there as well. So it looks like about 70 to 80 people are currently working on the game at Bioware. More than half of them, though, will be moving to Broadsword to continue control of the game. Uh, so Bioware General Manager had this to say, quote, No big change comes without challenges. Among them is the fact that most of the current team will be invited to accompany the game on its move to Broadsword, though unfortunately not every role will make the move. This is the hardest part of this transition, and these decisions were not made lightly. 
We are, of course, doing everything we can to support the affected team members who have an opportunity to find new roles within EA. In addition, we're aware that the team members who are being asked to move to a new studio will also be adapting to change and will be working with Broadsword to make the transition as comfortable as possible. In the long run, though, we are confident that this is the best decision for the game and its community. We at BioWare will miss being a part of SWOTOR's story going forward, but we also know that it will be in very good hands, quote-unquote. So, uh, executive producer of the game is moving over, and current plans for SWOTOR are still in place. New features are coming. I don't know about new DLC or game updates, but uh, BioWare is going to shift focus back into single-player games, and uh, this the game is not going into maintenance mode, so it will still be handled, taken care of. I'm sure Lucasfilm doesn't want to give up on all those players either. Uh, we heard from Todd Howard in the wake of the all the news that came out about Starfield. He did confirm that about 10% of planets will have life on them in Starfield, uh, in the thousand planets, give or take. But realistically... This mimics what scientists predict for the actual reality of the universe, that about, about only 10% have life on them. Intelligent life, not necessarily a given in that situation. But just because only 10% will have life doesn't mean that they will be completely empty either. It turns out E3 2024 and 2025 may be canceled as well. Uh, this is not 100% confirmation. The ESA says plans are not fully revealed. But this is on a listing from the planning commission of the LA Convention Center and the city of Los Angeles. So it looks like E3 really might actually be dead forever. But, but, this is not a confirmation. This is not entirely, we don't know. Okay? Um, players who are playing... Horizon Forbidden West, The Burning Shores, which is the most recent DLC, have found a tribute to Lance Reddick has been added to the game. Of course, he played Silence in the first two games. Uh, it is located on an island in The Burning Shores where uh, they paid tribute to Lance Reddick, which is really nice because he was a gamer himself. So, with the Barbie movie set to announce, uh, set to announce, set to release... In a few short weeks, Xbox and Barbie have teamed up for a plethora of Barbie goodness, <laughs> uh, including Barbie-themed controllers, an entire Barbie-themed Xbox Series S controller, and Xbox-themed Barbies. So if you have a little gamer girl daughter at home or a gamer boy who also plays with dolls, no judgment, those are now available for you to purchase if you want Barbie and Xbox in your home. <laughs> oh, that's a funny thing to say. Uh, Multiverses, the game that includes most of Warner Brothers IP in a Super Smash Brothers style game, has shut down its beta, which a lot of people didn't know was happening. <laughs> we all thought it was a full release, and it turns out it was a beta. Has shut down until next year. I don't think this game will ever come back, if you ask me, but that's just me and I, probably everybody else thinking about this game. So you won't be able to play it anymore, essentially. Meta has announced a new subscription service called MetaQuest Plus. What this does uh, for $7.99 a month or $59.99 a year, you can start to sign up. Uh, but if you sign up before July 31st, you only have to pay a dollar for the first month, which realistically isn't a whole lot. It is available for the Meta Quest 2, the Pro, and the Quest 3 when it launches later this year. And uh, per a re release from Meta, it says, quote, With a combination of VR's biggest hits, hidden gems, and back catalog classics, this is the most affordable way to grow your library with killer content. Unquote. So essentially you get access to games. So it's it's like Xbox Live or PS Plus, right? Uh, when you subscribe, you get to redeem two titles in the MetaQuest app each month. And you only have access to those games while you're subscribed to MetaQuest Plus. The first two games available 
our Cloud Head Games Pistol Whip, and Arvor Immersive Experiences Pixel Ripped 1995. So the game, and then they did announce the games for August will be Walkabout Mini Golf and Mother Gunship Forge. So that's what happens if you guys want to sign up for Meta Quest Plus. Speaking of games in a not normal manner, Google has begun testing the ability to play games via YouTube. Uh, this is according to the Wall Street Journal. Uh, there is a new option called Playables. So you can play games instantly through YouTube on via the app or um, on mobile devices and desktop, desktop computers. Uh, employees have apparently been asked to begin testing the product. Some have been invited. And I don't know what kind of games these are, but it looks like they're like Android-style games. But uh, a YouTube spokesperson said, quote, Gaming has long been a focus at YouTube. We are always experimenting with new features but have nothing to announce right now, unquote. So, obviously they just shut down Stadia. It'll be interesting, though, to see what Google does with this new potential venture. We've learned that Tears of the Kingdom, yes, the most recent Zelda game, sold more physical copies than both Resident Evil 4 and Star Wars Survivor did. Uh, So... More physical copies in both of those games. This is via Circana, which is what NPD has been renamed. And the physical version uh, was only beat out by Hogwarts Legacy. So, best-selling games of 2023 so far via Circana or NPD are Hogwarts Legacy, Tears of the Kingdom, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, Resident Evil 4, MLB The Show... Dead Island 2, FIFA 23, Dead Space, Madden NFL 23, and Elden Ring. Mind you, half of these games came out last year. (laughs) So, and it looks like via a new report, physical sales are dropping, digital sales are on the rise. And remember when everyone shit on Microsoft in 2013 when they pushed for digital? And they shat on them when the Xbox... One S came out, which was digital only, and then the Xbox Series S came out, still all digital. It's it's funny the world that we're shifting to. Obviously, all these consoles don't have the memory to support all these games, though. Um, a new animated series from the creators of Infinity Train are going to be working on an Among Us television series. That will be interesting. Blizzard has announced a new WoW Classic update, which is WoW Classic Hardcore, and it will include permadeath. So be on the lookout for that if you guys want to up your WoW functionality, your World of Warcraft functionality. Roland Emmerich has announced a new multimedia venture, and that is called Space Nation. And it will include gaming animated shorts, and its own television series. This is via Deadline. Emmerich has announced Space Nation with a... uh, It will launch with a MMORPG set to release late next year. And uh, you will be a ship captain and you will build, fight, and survive in a, quote, universe inhabited by alien species working to unravel the mysteries of the Telecos Cluster, unquote. An alpha... An alpha test will take place this August, and uh, that way you guys can take a look at it before it becomes animated shorts, spin-off games, and TV series. So Emmerich released a statement saying, quote, Hollywood's increasing interest in video games reflects a wider recognition of gaming's popularity and storytelling potential. The expansive universe we're building in Space Nation is a tremendous opportunity to captivate audiences whenever they consume entertainment with innovative new forms of storytelling, unquote. Be interesting to see if this uh, actually works out for Roland, huh? So, new regulatory listings and, and ratings boards listings have hinted at a remaster or remake of Red Dead Redemption, which, no surprise there, you know, Rockstar recently did a remaster of the, the the main 
3D Grand Theft Auto games before Grand Theft Auto V. So it would only make sense for them to do Red Dead as well. And uh, I do want to move on to our final bit of gaming news. It, it will be a long thing, though, because we are going to be going over the, the first four days of the FTC Microsoft case um, hearing, whatever you want to call it. I think tomorrow's the last day anyway, but at least I want to cover the, the first four days, which were Thursday, Friday, Tuesday, and today. So day one. It uh, started with what a lot of people are calling a bombshell moment, especially The Verge. An email that came out from the from Jim Ryan to, uh, I guess, to Microsoft or someone internal at Sony saying, you know, they, they understand why the Microsoft is buying Activision and they weren't initially going to oppose it. So if that is, is interesting to you, it's interesting to everybody because... If they weren't opposed to it in the beginning, and we were slowly learning, something is something happened late last year that caused them to to flip a switch to go to the opposite side. Apparently, uh, so I'm going to be pulling a lot of this information from The Verge. They actually have a great like um, recap of every like major moment from the the the, the case. Uh, their reporter Tom Warren, I think he's either listening. It's being broadcast over Zoom. Or he might be in the courtroom. Not entirely sure. It is open to the public. Um, but he's been like live reporting essentially everything that's been going on. So it, it's, it's um, like I said, it opened with that email from, from Sony. Uh, we've le learned other things that Sony doesn't is being very petty essentially. They don't want to share PS6 dev kits or PS5 dev kits really. But it, it's, it's, it's interesting. It even opened with Xbox admitting they lost the console wars, right? And a lot of fanboys everywhere, you know, crying and, or doing things that fanboys do, right? So we've also learned that Xbox Cloud Gaming, not as big a deal as the CMA in the UK would like us to believe. It looks like it's mostly used for uh, trying games. Uh, that is something that... Microsoft put out, um, but it, it's very interesting um, to see. The Switch has also been heavily talked about, not just the PlayStation. Uh, the FTC doesn't consider Switch a true competitor to Xbox and PlayStation, which both of those companies admit as well, but it's still a major player. Uh, we learned that NVIDIA executives would be there as well, not just Microsoft executives, but one of the bigger emails, there was an email from Matt Booty, who is head of Xbox Studios, talking about not wanting, um, not wanting their games on NVIDIA, GeoForce Now, which is like their streaming service. But it's, it's Microsoft is trying to make this deal about mobile. Uh, it looks like an email that came out from Jim Ryan was, was essentially the same, same idea, if you will. That, that's kind of what it was about. Uh, the first day involved a lot of Bethesda talk as well. Uh, Microsoft talked about how Call of Duty could run on a Switch, and it, it, it's in interesting. So this is, I want to quote Jim Ryan's email, though, and this is something he sent uh, to Chris Deering, former CEO of Sony Computer Entertainment, and it says, quote, it's not an exclusivity play at all. They're thinking bigger than that, and they have the cash to make moves like this. I've spent a fair amount of time with both Phil and Bobby over the past day, and I'm pretty sure we will continue to see Call of Duty on PlayStation for many years to come. This flies in the face of everything Sony and PlayStation have been doing over the last few weeks. Um, but anyway, like I said, we've learned a lot of things over the first day. We've also found out that the Indiana Jones game being made by, by Machine Games will be exclusive to Xbox and PC. Um, there was talk about Redfall and about Starfield, and uh, Pete Hines of Bethesda said Starfield wouldn't be coming out this September if it was coming to PlayStation 5 as well. We also learned that uh, Sarah Bond came on, and she's head of Xbox Creator Experience, talking about Diablo and Game Pass 
and that, you know, um, xCloud, they were thinking about making xCloud a separate feature, uh, but now obviously it's baked in with Xbox Live or Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. Um, we also learned that, you know, Call of Duty is, the, the situation with Call of Duty is more tense than I thought. So, uh, Bobby Kotick wanted a new revenue share deal with Xbox if he was going to put Call of Duty on the Series S and X, which is interesting. Um, so, I guess he wanted more money instead of them getting a, a smaller cut. But we also found out that Xbox actually takes a smaller cut than most companies. They do an 80-20 deal where they get 20% of revenue on games. Um, Valve, we also learned that they didn't really care about a 10-year deal, even though they signed it anyway, which is another reason Gabe Newell came out and said he didn't care about, he didn't think the deal was bad. Um, Sarah Bond said under oath, quote, Valve believes strongly that content should be on their platform. They do not want to be seen, they do not want to be seen to signing contracts that lock up or drive commitments to other, to content over 10-year periods of time. They don't have any other such agreements. They told us that they they had no need to sign the agreement. They believed us that we would continue to provide it on Steam, unquote. So that, that's that been going on. Um, like I said, they had been working on a different version of xCloud that would be separate, but ultimately not. Um, it, it, that, that, was, that was just day one, right? Day two, uh, Phil Spencer took the stage. And from Phil, we learned that, you know, a lot of things can't necessarily be done on a phone screen. Phil wore a suit, which is very rare. Um, he swore under oath that PlayStation or Call of Duty would remain on PlayStation. So that should put an end to that. Um, they wouldn't talk about if Elder Scrolls 6, which is still years away, if that would be... Um, on an Xbox exclusive or not, because he doesn't even know what the platforms it's going to be on at that point. They expect the next generation of consoles to be out in 2028 at some point. Um, a lot of talk about Bethesda still, about games on Switch. Uh, Sony has held back, we learned that Sony has held back dev kits from them, from Mojang for Minecraft. And that's why there's no optimized version of PS5 yet, for PS5, in which led a lot of people to assume that's why they don't have it for Series X either, to keep parity across the, the consoles. Um, they had thought about making Minecraft Dungeons exclusive. They thought against it. They had already skipped, or they had considered skipping PlayStation for Activision content, but have decided against it. Call of Duty, of course, will stay. Um, Phil Spencer sees Sony as an aggressive competitor. He said, quote, Sony is the market leader with a considerable capability and an aggressive competitor, unquote. Every time we ship a game on PlayStation, Sony captures 30% of the revenue that we do on their platform, and then they use that money, among other revenue, that they have to do things to try and reduce Xbox survival on the market. We try to compete, but as I said, over the last 20 years, we failed to do that effectively, unquote. And my favorite interaction between Phil and the lawyers of the FTC FTC lawyer says, quote, do you think that Microsoft Gaming lost the console wars, unquote? Phil Spencer responds, quote, as the console wars is a social construct with the community, I would never want to count our community out. They're big fans. If you look at our market share in the console space over the last 20 plus years, we're in third place. We're behind Sony and Nintendo and console share globally, unquote. So yes, the console wars are a social Construct. construct. Um, someone, Jamie Law, 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 Lawver from Xbox was there, but her testimony was closed. Uh, it has to do with financial data that is not allowed to become public. Um, this is just, it's turning into pettiness. Um, mostly about, about mobile. We learned that Zynga was going to be potentially purchased by Microsoft because they did want to break into the mobile space. Uh, we also learned that they bought Bethesda because it was there were rumors that Sony might buy up 
Starfield as an exclusive. So Microsoft's like, fuck it, we're buying Bethesda, which is insane to hear. Um, Spencer said, Phil Spencer said, quote, when we acquired ZeniMax, one of the impetus for that is that Sony had done a deal for Deathloop and Ghostwire to pay Bethesda to not ship those games on Xbox. So the discussion about Starfield, when we heard that Starfield was potentially also going to end up skipping Xbox, we can't be in a position as a third-place console where we fall further behind on our content ownership, so we've had to secure content to remain viable in the business, unquote. Big surprise there. Again, some interesting things coming out. Um, and Phil talked about exclusivity and how micro, X, Sony still has more exclusives than Xbox does. So it, it's, it's very interesting. Call of Duty, of course, is, is remaining a major focus, as is still the Switch, um, which, again, very interesting that they're arguing about the Switch. Um, Google's former Stadia product lead took the stand, talking about Stadia, what it did, uh, running on Windows servers potentially. Google was going to spend time on building games for Stadia, but it, it just cost so much money that they abandoned it. Um, and that, that was day two. It was a lot of fill, a lot of interesting conversation, and a lot about the Switch, which, and Bethesda as well. Um, before day three started, though, some more news came out in regards to what Microsoft was potentially willing to do. And it looks like they were willing to... So the rumors about Xbox potentially acquiring Sega were true. They wanted to potentially buy Square, Enix, and Bungie potentially, bringing them back into the fold. These were all options that Microsoft had considered to bolster their game's portfolio. Um, we learned that Microsoft wants Windows to be fully on the cloud one day. Uh, and Lori Wright, who was supposed to appear for Microsoft, uh, did not appear. Instead, they used a lot of her testimony in the Epic versus Apple case. Um, and then more, we got a video deposition of, of head of PlayStation, Jim Ryan. Uh, this is day three, of course. So it looks like that deposition was, was a lot longer from reporting I've seen, but they've only, they only aired about 70 minutes of it in the case. Um, and we learned that, so Jim Ryan says, uh, Xbox games resonate better with U.S. customers because of it has more shooters. Uh, he believed that Nintendo was in a different market. He thought, um, he said different things about uh, third-party exclusives on PlayStation, especially related to, to Bethesda. Um, again, he was he's wary of sharing PS6 dev kits for that eventual console with Microsoft because it opens the potential to them learning their secrets. Which, again, if someone goes and buys a PS6 or 5, um, apparently Xbox's initial deal to PlayStation was only older Activision games. And then sometime in August of 2022, something happened that changed Jim Ryan's mind. Um, he said, quote, I wasn't particularly happy with the January 31st proposal, but hoped that it was an opening salvo. I believe this transaction is bad for competition, unquote. This is something that happened later after emails between Jim and Phil Spencer. Uh, when the FTC lawyers asked him about Starfield, he said, quote, I don't like it, but I don't view it as anti-competitive. Look at that. Look at that, folks. Look at that. It's all about Call of Duty or something else. Um, but we've learned through all this... Uh, Bobby Kotick offered some deal to Jim Ryan, some other things. We've learned that Jim Ryan says publishers don't like Game Pass, which I, I don't know what's true, what's not. We've learned how much money PlayStation revenue or how much money Call of Duty generates for PlayStation, which is in the $800 million range, apparently. And it, it's a lot. Um, we also learned that Xbox beat... Xbox Series X sales beat PS5 for about three months in 2021. Um, talked about how he doesn't think cloud gaming will be viable until 2025 
at the earliest. So that is, is kind of flies in the face of the CMA. I know I'm kind of going all over the place. Granted, this is all different testimony from, you know, different people for day three. We learned that Bobby Kotick was the one who pulled games from Geoforce Now. Uh, they didn't want it. They don't like those deals. That's why Bobby Kotick wouldn't put Activision games on, on Game Pass either. Um, we learned from an economic expert that Call of Duty is not a unicorn, as they put it. But it's starting to look that way in, a, in just a bit, right? It, it's an all about Nintendo Switch. Um, Dr. Robin Lee was the economics expert they brought on. Um, so she talked about what would happen if, if, ex, if Call of Duty was exclusive and how much of the market share Microsoft would gain. Uh, we learned a lot of people play it on when Call of Duty players only call Call of Duty, essentially. Um, Dr. Lee's assessment wasn't the greatest from what I saw. Um, and the, her biggest thing was, quote, my understanding is that for consoles, Microsoft recommended not exclusive, but for subscription services, they recommended exclusivity, unquote. So the game wouldn't be exclusive to Xbox, but per subscription models, Call of Duty would only be available on Game Pass, not Geoforce Now, not PlayStation Plus, or whatever the hell they're calling it. Um, things about the CMA were brought up, and more things about uh, with Dr. Lee, Call of Duty remaining on PlayStation, all things like that. Um, it, it, and talking about foreclosure, which is exclusivity, that's a big deal. So if you guys are following this, you'll, you'll see these terms. Um, cloud competition was brought up, Geoforce Now. So someone, the head of Geoforce Now was brought in via video testimony. That was Phil Eisler talking about latency, Activision games in the beta. They're happy with the agreement they've made with Microsoft for the 10-year deal. Microsoft brought out their own economic expert, Dr. Elizabeth Bailey, um, works at Charles Rivers Associates. Hers are, um, she claimed that Call of Duty wasn't essential. Some people are trying to poke holes in that. They're focusing on mobile gaming. We learned that a mobile version of Call of Duty Warzone is coming later this year. Uh, this Dr. Bailey anal analyzed telemetry data from Xbox and PlayStation. Um, said, again, she's where Call of Duty isn't essential, according to her. Again, we don't know all that. Um, but now let's talk about day four. That was today. And today Satya Nadella took the stand as well as, um, as well as Bobby Kotick. So we learned that Call of Duty comes out every year because there was a reward and compensation system that motivates developers to make it. Um, Kotick also said, quote, you would have a revolt if you were to remove the game from one platform. Gamers are incredibly passionate. You get invested in the experience. It's like a sport, unquote. You're not wrong there, um, Bobby. Uh, we also learned that Microsoft wanted to buy Square Enix, like I said, because of Game Pass and mobile games. Then all documents have been removed from the public domain from the case because someone at Sony didn't properly redact information from some of the documents they scanned in because it showed up via the scan. So everything's been pulled. Uh, we learned how much it costs to make Horizon Forbidden West and how much it costs to make The Last of Us Part Two, both in the 200 plus million dollar range. Uh, Bobby Kotick admits that he regretted not bringing Call of Duty to the Switch. Um, and he talked about how you can't make Call of Duty suck on one platform. And World of Warcraft brought, got brought up. Activision doesn't want to be on Game Pass. FTC talking about how big Call of Duty is. Kodak pushing back on subscription services, how he doesn't like them. Obviously, there's a, there's a lot of stuff about Nintendo Switch and, and Call of Duty not being on it. But it, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, then they brought Dr. Bailey back out. The, her, some of her arguments were kind of, holes were kind of poked in them. Um, so we also learned that Xbox Cloud Gaming is the least used feature 
of Xbox Game Pass Ultimate subscribers. So the CMA talking about cloud gaming is a little overblown. But a lot of things happened. I guess another... Apparently 1 million PlayStation gamers play nothing but Call of Duty. So this is per Jim Ryan in an FTC letter. It says, quote, in 2021, over 14 million users by device spent 30% or more of their time playing Call of Duty. 6 million users spent more than 70% of their time playing Call of Duty. And 1 million spent 100% of their gaming time on Call of Duty. Uh, they also We also learned that like 60% of, of PS5 owners own a Switch, which is crazy, but less than 20 own an Xbox, so there's not a whole lot of cross-pollination there. Um, so yeah, uh, officially it's, quote, according to SIE internal surveys, almost half of PlayStation 5 owners in the United States also own a Nintendo Switch, while less than 20% of PlayStation 5 owners in the United States also own an Xbox Series X or S, unquote. Um, Jeff Fisher, head of NVIDIA, says gaming on PC is always better than consoles. He doesn't... He says the the acquisition is, quote, good for the industry, unquote. We learned that other PlayStation things came out. Microsoft had redact, um, redacted document issues. And then Satya Nadella took the stand. So... Biggest things from Satya Nadella. Um, he talks about market share and, you know, gaming targets and if they were met. He talked about cloud gaming. He doesn't think it's a substitute for console. He thinks um, cloud isn't totally mainstream yet. Obviously, it will be eventually. They're looking at confidential documents that they couldn't talk about. Then they asked him about exclusives which is something he echoed similar statements phil spencer's made in the past essentially saying quote if it was up to me i would love to get rid of the entire exclusives on consoles but that's not for me to define especially as a low share player in the console market the dominant player there has defined market competition using exclusives so that's the world we live in i have no love for that world unquote so not big on um not big on, on exclusivity there. Phil Spencer's made similar comments. Uh, Satya Nadella also confirmed that Call of Duty re would remain on PlayStation as it wouldn't make sense to take it off. Another expert was brought on, um, Dennis Carlton, and he is a economics expert as well. His stuff was, was not great. Um, not really a video game guy, so it wasn't, it wasn't the best. Uh, a lot of it's it, the FTC is showing and the judge as well showing they don't know a whole lot about video games and it it kind of makes sense right but a lot of interesting information has come out so far in these four days and it's it's just a shit show it really is because documents that came out other things that came out the pettiness of the companies the money that is being spent. There was an email from Microsoft that said they have the money to spend Sony into oblivion, which, I mean, it's technically true, but a lot of interesting things are coming out of this case, and, and I really still don't know what's going to happen with this, this proposed merger. We'll see, though. It's very interesting indeed. That is it for gaming. I know that was a whole lot of jibber-jabber, gobbledygook, talking about nonsense about a court case. But the future of the gaming industry is is uh, on the needle here. But let's talk about TV, shall we? So, not a whole lot going on in TV world, especially the writer's strike happening right now, and of course, it being the summer. Uh, we learned John Carlo Esposito still wants to play Moff Gideon in a season four of The Mandalorian despite his spoilers here, death and clones death at the end of season three. I don't know how that would happen, but it, it would happen apparently. But that's uh, interesting for sure. We also learned that Marvel told it's the director of its Secret Invasion show to not read the Secret Invasion comics before 
the he started making the show, which I think is interesting. The second episode today was leaps and bounds better than the first episode. Very fit very well with like Falcon and the Winter Soldier and other spy thrillers and things like that. I very much enjoyed it. Uh, but Marvel told Ali Salim, the director, not to read the comics. Uh, in an interview he did with IGN, he said, quote, When I took this job, the first thing Marvel said to me was, Don't read the comics. They have nothing to do with this series. The series was more born out of the electric relationship that was created between Nick Fury and Talos, or Samuel Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn and Captain Marvel, unquote. Which makes sense, because that's kind of the central relationship of the show so far. Uh, I'm really digging it. I like all the stuff going on and the plot being sewn by Marvel with the scrolls in their version of Secret Invasion. We've learned that Crunchyroll will be adding 15 Dragon Ball movies to its service in the coming weeks. So if you've been looking for a place to watch all that and you have a Crunchyroll subscription, you can watch some Dragon Ball. In a very, very strange move, Paramount Plus has followed in the footsteps of its streaming brethren and removed shows from its platform, even ones that just wrapped up their first season. Uh, the two biggest, of course, being the Pink Lady Birds, which is a pre Grease prequel. They literally just finished its first season, canceled and pulled. And its biggest, Star Trek Prodigy, which was currently in post-production on its second season, has been canceled and pulled from Paramount+. Plus. While it is somewhat of a kid's show, it did grow on me and it was a lot more than a normal kid's show. But the fact that this was canceled is very shocking because they, they hyped it up a lot. Uh, it also brought back Kate Mulgrew as Captain Admiral, excuse me, Catherine Janeway. So it's very surprising to see. Even Anson Mount tweeted his support for the uh, fan community trying to get the show uncancelled and put on another network. We'll see what happens though. Especially since the second season was in post-production. I'm kind of saddened by that. You know, they've been pushing Star Trek and being Paramount Plus the home of Star Trek and then they cancel one of its shows. Um, Netflix has pulled its basic tier option in Canada, so that will no longer be an app option if you live in the Great White North. Uh, Max has announced that Harley Quinn Season 4 drops on July 27th, so just a, about a month from today. Uh, and then we learn more about the Tomb Raider show that Phoebe Waller-Bridge is working on for Amazon. Um, she was speaking with Vanity Fair, uh, I think in a press junket for Indiana Jones or something. She said, quote, there's room to do something really quite dangerous, and if I can do something dangerous and exciting with Tomb Raider, I already have an audience of people who love Lara, and hopefully will continue to, and that is a very unusual position to be in. It's the old Trojan horse, unquote. So, it looks like, I guess, her love for it came out when she was working on No Time to Die, the Bond movie, and Dial of Destiny, which she helped with as well. So this is a cover story for Vanity Fair. Um, she also said, quote, My parents were very smart because they didn't actually limit me. They could sense that I was going to just game myself into the ground, and I did. I packed the PlayStation away, and I was like, I've got to not do that because I've got to write and read and do other stuff, unquote. So she's big into Tomb Raider. Apparently since the 90s and during COVID, she played it a lot. She said, quote, God, it literally felt like the teenager in me saying, do right by her, do right by Lara. The opportunity to have, as we were talking earlier, a female action character, having worked on Bond and having worked as an actor on Indy, I feel like I've been building up to this. What if I could take the reins on an action franchise with everything I've learned, with a character I adore, and also bring back some of that 90s vibe? It's such a wonderful feeling to think you know what to do with such a project, unquote. It's an early development, no star, no premiere date. But obviously on hold because she can't write it because the writer's strike. And then final bit of gaming, or gaming TV news, if you will, uh, is about Netflix and Squid Game. We've learned that Squid Game creator Huang Dong-hyuk uh, was being very candid 
and talked to the Los Angeles Times about how we learned that apparently Squid Game raised Netflix's internal value by $900 million, almost a billion dollars. Uh, and then we learned via 2021 interview, Huang uh, did not get a lot of money from Squid Game. Um, but he didn't get a whole lot of it, which is interesting. He said, quote, I'm not getting anything out of it, unquote. He said also, quote, at first it was exciting to think that people all around the world would be able to watch my shows, but now I'm thinking, so what? I'm not getting anything out of it, unquote. So it is, I guess, the, the, the residuals for the show are negotiated through the Korea Television and Radio Writers Association. Netflix has no official agreement with them. Uh, they usually get money up front, and it's rates ranging between 30000 to 150000 So despite this show bringing in a ton of money for them, they didn't really pay, uh, what's his name? Huang, is his first name, that much, which kind of fucking sucks, dude. He made all that money for them. Um, Netflix responded saying, quote, we pay fairly highly competitive rates with our K content creators and set clear standards for our Korean production partners who produce all our shows and movies. These standards meet or exceed Korean law, unquote. But they've invested heavily in the Korean film industry. Hopefully, though, they paid him a lot more for season two when it comes sometime in the near future. That is it for TV news, though. Let's head on to the movie world, Hollywood, shall we? I don't know what I was doing there, but it was fun, right? So, what's going on in Hollywood, huh? Well, we've learned that Sony has pulled its first announced, not first announced, it, one of its other Spider sequels. The film El Muerto, which was going to star Bad Bunny, has pulled, been pulled from Sony's schedule. Don't expect that movie to come out any time soon. Uh, we got a, also a lot of information out of James Mangold, who was being interviewed, uh, speaking about Indiana Jones, about Logan, about Swamp Thing. Uh, biggest, though, to come out of that is that he doesn't want to make any more Indiana Jones movies. That's, that's something he does not want to do. He is upset about Logan being in Deadpool 3. He doesn't like that idea since he thought they ended Logan's story with Logan. And he talked about how he, he pretty much confirmed he is directing the Swamp Thing movie. He's calling it a, quote, simple, clean, gothic horror film. Uh, so I am excited for that. But that, that's some of the highlights of James Mangold's interview. Uh, we also learned that, that Henry Cavill did really well in his audition for James Bond back before Casino Royale. And he almost got the role. In an interview with the director, Martin Campbell, uh, speaking with The Express, uh, he was talking about Henry Cavill saying, quote, he looked great in the audition. His acting was tremendous. And look, if Daniel didn't exist, Henry would have made an excellent Bond. He looked terrific. He was in great physical shape, very handsome, very chiseled. He just looked a little young at that time back then, unquote. Which is wild to me that we almost got Henry Cavill as James Bond. So, I, I wonder though, unfortunately it's a little too late for him to do it now because he's in his 40s, but that would have been cool. Henry Cavill would have been a good James Bond, I think. Too bad it's too late. Uh, the Flash, we found out, pulled audio from YouTube for some scenes, which... I don't, that doesn't make any sense. And it was for the weird CGI cameos at the end of the film. I liked them, don't get me wrong, but they pulled audio from YouTube. Uh, speaking with Screen Rant, the supervising sound editor of the film, Nancy Nugent, said, quote, I'll tell you the truth. A lot of them were pulled from YouTube. We were finding those old clips, and then it was a matter of removing music if there was music tied to it or just cleaning it up, unquote. I guess a lot of movies do that, but it's very strange that Warner would do that considering they own the rights to all that stuff and would have it on Blu-ray or on DVD or on film somewhere. Like, why didn't they just pull the original source? I don't get it. I don't get it, man. 
I don't get it. But along with that, we learned that the Flash dropped by 72% in its second weekend, despite getting good user reviews. So it's, it's, it's again, it didn't make a whole lot of money its opening weekend. Part of that, I think, is the, the controversy surrounding Ezra Miller, which, again, makes sense. I get it. I get why people would want to stay away from that. Um, and, and I get why they wouldn't want to support it. Like I said, it makes sense. I don't have any issue with that. Um, but you'd think word of mouth, though, would help it. Surprisingly not. But we learned that over the second weekend, the Sp- uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse moved back into first place. That took in $19.3 million. And then bringing it across the $317 million domestically, $560 million globally. Elemental moved up to second, stayed in second place and earned $18.46 million. And then The Flash, like I said, fell to third with $15.26 million, which counts as a 72% drop, which is worse than... The MCU worst drop of 69% for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. And it's actually worse than Black Adam's drop and Shazam's drop earlier this year and late last year. Which now brings its total to $210 million worldwide, $87 million in the U.S. Uh, No Hard Feelings, starring Jennifer Lawrence, took fourth place with $15.1 million. That's wild. The Flash, I mean, they kind of knew... I think, I think we talked about this on the podcast. Like they, there were three options. They're going to can the film. They're not going to use Ezra for marketing. Or they're just going to send it out and just see what happens. So I, I think they're ready to take a loss on it anyway. And allow James Gunn to officially start the new DCU. And speaking of that, we have finally found out the new cast of Superman Legacy from James Gunn. David Cornsweet or Cornsweet has been cast as Clark Kent, Kal-El Superman. Um, I'm not very familiar with his work or anything that he's been in. Uh, And then Rachel Brosnahan has been cast as Lois Lane. And somehow the internet is not angry with either of these castings, surprisingly. Uh, Rachel Brosnahan is, of course, most famous for playing the the marvelous Miss Maisel. Her show just ended on Amazon. Uh, she's been dreaming, apparently, of playing Lois Lane. I think she's perfect for the role, as do many other people. Uh, James Gunn also called out lazy superhero movies. So he was on the Inside of You podcast with Michael Rosenbaum. Great podcast, by the way. Uh, he said, quote, People have gotten really lazy with their superhero stories. They've gotten to the place where, oh, it's a superhero. Let's make a movie about it. And then, oh, let's make a sequel because the first one did pretty well. They aren't thinking about why is this story special? What makes this story stand apart from the other stories? What is the story at the heart of it all? Why is this character important? What makes the story different that it fills a need for people in theaters to go see? People have gotten a little lazy and there's a lot of biff, pow, bam stuff happening in movies. I'm watching third acts of superhero films where I really just don't feel like there's any rhyme or reason to what's happening. I don't care about the characters and they've gotten too generic. Unquote. Interesting. Obviously, this is going to fuel his movie making. That explains why Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was so beloved compared to some other Marvel films. That's why people liked his Suicide Squad movie. That's why people like his movies in general. And that makes me excited for his process in what went into writing Superman Legacy. I'm excited for that. Um... We also learned that there's two versions of Into the Spider-Verse flopping around in theaters with different little animation ticks. That's pretty fucking cool. Fits the multiverse theme as well. So if you guys have seen it twice, there's potential you saw two different movies. Chadwick Boseman will be getting a Hollywood star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame posthumously. Obviously, he passed away several years ago from cancer. Finally getting a star on the Walk of Fame. Makes sense. Great actor. Amazing actor. Playing amazing roles. Josh Gad has let the world know to beg Disney to get his Honey, I Shrunk the Kids sequel made. 
that was going to bring Rick Moranis out of retirement. Apparently, it's in development hell, uh, mainly because of COVID and then his scheduling conflicts. He just wants people to make sure Disney aware that they still want the movie made. Um, Speaking of Disney franchises that have been a little dormant, we also learned that... um, Why can't I think of his name? Evan Peters will be joining Jared Leto in the Tron sequel, reboot, whatever that movie's going to end up being. But yes, Evan Peters joins Tron. Uh, Princess Leia's dress, the dress she wore in it at the end of A New Hope, is looking to fetch at least $2 million at auction when it goes up for auction uh, in the near future. And the final bit of movie news, just wanted to talk about Idris Elba. He was talking with the Smartless podcast and talked about how he was in the running to potentially take over for James Bond, but he soured on it. And he said, quote, essentially it was a huge compliment that every corner of the world, except for some corners, which we will not talk about, were really happy about the idea that I could be considered. Those that weren't happy about that idea made the whole thing disgusting and off-putting because it became about race, it became about nonsense, and I got the brunt of it. The truth is I was super complicated complimented for a long time about this i was like this is crazy james bond we're all actors and we understand that role it's one of those coveted roles being asked to be james bond was like okay you've sort of reached the pinnacle that's one of those things that the whole world has a vote in unquote um look uh he followed it up with quote as humans we're obsessed with race and that obsession can really hinder people's aspirations hinder rate people's growth Uh, This is what he said to Esquire. Racism should be a topic for discussion. Sure, racism is very real. But from my perspective, it's only as powerful as you allow it to be, unquote. Um, Look, I'm going to be fully transparent. And at one point or another, I have said that wouldn't make sense for him to be James Bond. Obviously, I'm a fucking moron and an idiot in thinking that because he would actually be a very good James Bond and nowhere in the source material does it describe Bond as being white. Obviously, given the time it was written, you can assume that. But in reality, nowhere in the source material does it say James Bond has to be white. And for me to think that Idris Elba couldn't do it makes me a fucking moron. And I'm going to fully own that stupidity and wish people like me didn't keep that opinion and push him off from potentially being an amazing Bond. Now the issue is, of course, maybe his age comes into play. That's a different issue. Older James Bond, fine with me, but obviously he wouldn't be able to do the role for an extended period of time. Um, Realistically, it sucks that this conversation had to happen. It sucks that it's still happening all around the world in regards to these roles. I mean, it just happened with Hallie... Bailey and the Little Mermaid. So, like I said, I am perfectly open to admitting that I was a fucking moron thinking that. I don't think that anymore. Um, Obviously, different things have different issues, and I've talked about the Superman issue. Obviously, that's a little different, and it probably isn't, and you're probably screaming at your headphones like, Nick, you're a fucking idiot still, and I might be. I might be. (laughs) right? I'm not, I'm not gonna, I can always have my mind changed. If you give me a compelling argument and reason why I can have my mind changed, I will fully hop onto that idea. Um, but it sucks that it happened to happen to Idris, who's an amazing actor and would have been an amazing bond, but it sucks that this is where we are now. Um, that is it for Nixner news this week. Thank you guys as always for listening. Uh, I know there was a lot of nonsense with that FTC Xbox case. Hopefully more nonsense doesn't happen tomorrow for day five. Who knows? Probably could still happen, but I don't know. Next week, I am hoping to have a review of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny for you. Uh, I did start watching The Bear, which amazing show. I can't believe I slept on it for this long. Hopefully I will have season two done, which only started airing late last week. Uh, We can talk about that on next week's podcast. Also, 
hey that's it for the episode this week that is episode 268 it is june 28th thank you guys for listening week in week out don't forget to follow us on social media nickster news follow me on tiktok the nick defalco check out the website share like subscribe poke prod upvote downvote whatever you guys want to do as long as you're listening or not listening i'm perfectly fine with it i hope you guys have a great fourth of july weekend independence day here in the u.s of a but with that i will catch you all on the flip side